The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, president at Lola Red, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now, please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Ritan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. That's 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up, a little recap of how the toy industry ended 2014. And this is by the way, fresh off the heels of Toy Fair, which is another hallmark for the toy industry. Uh, guess what? It ended high, ended very high. Uh, toy industry experts were saying that they saw a 4% gain year over year. Black Friday actually was not great. Cyber Monday, not much better. But at the end, really that last week of December drove the whole quarter with those sales inching up, um, like I said, over uh, almost 4%. What was happening is procrastinators were shopping in droves. And um, eventually, as we saw gas prices decreasing, the experts are saying that gave consumers more confidence to go and spend. So that's why we saw kind of that last-minute boost in toy sales. So what sold the most? Well, Frozen drove a ton. I know Frozen has been out for a while, but it is a huge driver still for the toy industry. It had 300 different items on the store shelves this year, this past year. Um, It was followed by uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Hot Wheels, Leapfrog, and Galaxy. Lego continues to be extremely hot. Their building sets gained 13%, followed by youth electronics, action figures, games, and puzzles. So really, really interesting, something for us to keep in mind. My guest today is actually going to talk about spending and the holiday spending and the impact on some addictions and specifically around um, advertising to children. So you're going to definitely want to stick around for that. But first, our purse profile today is the Coach Queen. There's more than one and a half million of these women out there in their mid-30s staying at home. Uh, household income is over $115,000, about two kids in the house who travel a lot, uh, interested in the arts, but really focused on family. They do everything kind of on a grand scale, kind of like a mini Martha Stewart, if you will. Um, Environmentally concerned, and when it comes to shopping, are shopping for the best price and always hit the clearance rack. So if you're a marketer, how do you intersect with our coach queen? Well, friends. Friends are a huge influencer. Um, Word of mouth recommendation motivates her to try new stores and try new products. She really does respond to the in-store environment. And she also responds to what she reads in magazines. Magazines like Martha Stewart Living, Traditional Home, People Shape and Parenting. She's online a lot at iVillage, Disney, and eBay. She's also watching a lot of those home shows like HGTV, TLC, but also Food Network, Fox News, Disney, and Nickelodeon. Well, my guest today probably knows a lot about Coach Queens and those women who like to shop. That's because Terrence Shulman, since 2004, has been the founder and director of the Shulman Center for Compulsive Theft, Spending, and Hoarding. He's based in Detroit. He's authored four recovery books, including the last one, which came out in 2011, called Cluttered Lives, Empty Souls, Compulsive Stealing, Spending, and Hoarding. 
Um, he's really looking at the overarching issue of spend, overspending, hoarding, and what really is the true reason for these addictions. Um, and he's going to take a look, too, at the role marketers may be playing in fueling these addictions. So it's going to be a really interesting interview. I hope you stick around when Purse Strings returns with Terrence Schulman in just a moment. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. Welcome back to Purse Strings. Joining me today is Terrence Schulman. Since 2004, he's been the founder and director of the Schulman Center for Compulsive Theft, Spending, and Hoarding right there in Metro Detroit. He's actually authored four recovery books, the latest of which was in 2011 called Cluttered Lives, Empty Souls, Compulsive Stealing, Spending, and Hoarding. I'm really excited to have Terrence on the show today, especially in light of the fact that uh, we're pulling out of the busy holiday season and a lot of people have a lot of bills to pay. So reality is hitting home. Terrence, welcome to Purse Strings. Thank you, Maria. I'm uh, honored to be here, and Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, Happy New Year to you, too. And before we dive into kind of this issue that you've dedicated your life to, talk a little bit about your work as the founder-director of the Schulman Center for Compulsive, Compulsive Theft, Spending, and Hoarding right there in Detroit. Okay, I'll see if I can be brief. So I'm 49. <laughs> I've been an attorney at law for uh, 23 years here in Metro Detroit, and I've been a licensed social worker and addiction therapist for about 18 years. I'm married for about 12 years and have a dog and two fish. But I've also <laughs> been in recovery myself for about 25 years from what I call addictive compulsive shoplifting and stealing. So I personally was not um, a person who overspent or had debt, but my father did, and um, I, I got interested in working with people who have problems with stealing, 
spending and hoarding because I found after 10 years of working in the drug and alcohol addiction field that there were other addictions out there that were under-treated, misunderstood, and, 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 and people who needed help. And what I found was people like me who had problems with stealing uh, are, are growing in number and they have nowhere to turn. And often people who over-shop, and we know now that compulsive shopping is a legitimate disorder, and I found that a lot of my clients who were stealing had troubles with overspending, and a lot of my clients who had problems with overspending might resort to shoplifting or stealing from work or others to get money to shop with or pay off bills. And, and then hoarding kind of you know, has been the uh, disorder du jour for the last decade mm-hmm. or so because of the cable shows. And I have a middle brother who has struggled with hoarding disorder for the last 13 years after really growing up as kind of a a, a neatnik. And so all these behaviors, what, what fascinates me about them is they, they revolve around stuff. So whether people are shoplifting stuff, whether they're taking stuff from work, whether they're embezzling money to get stuff, to buy stuff, whether they're buying stuff, whether they're hoarding stuff and having trouble letting go of stuff. So it, it fascinates me, our relationship to stuff and what ends we will go to get it. Isn't that true? And it, and it, this is a pretty pervasive issue, too, isn't it, Terrence? I mean, many, many Americans are addicted to shopping, hoarding, all the different ways that you've described. And how does it eventually manifest itself? I'm, I'm assuming that these are people that carry a lot of debt as a result of, of their issues. Well, here's the thing that's fascinating. There, there are <clears throat> kind of some stereotypes or common features for many people, but it's really uh, everybody's unique in their own way. So um, the classic cases or the classic signs that somebody may have a shopping problem, and it's more than pure you know, uh, poor money management. Um, it, it really is a chronic kind of behavior with over-shopping and overspending, which often does lead to debt but may not, and it's really emotionally driven. So it often is secretive, meaning uh, the person uh, is often hiding their shopping or spending from their family or, or a partner or loved ones. Um, it, it is often characterized by um, anxiety if one is not shopping, and then some relief after you do shop, and then the anxiety kicks back in. Um, it is characterized, like with any addiction, uh, by preoccupation in the mind with having to shop, um, losing time, energy, relationships, activities that are now devoted to shopping. Uh, It kind of consumes your life. And, of course, with the onset of the Internet, uh, there are a lot of addictions that have really kind of uh, snowballed, uh, you know, considerably. So people can gamble online, they can get sex online, they can get drugs online, they can shop online, they could actually get addicted to the internet itself. They could, you know, be addicted to video games online. I mean, so the internet can be a wonderful tool. But I think between uh, the explosion of the internet and internet shopping and even TV shopping, where you know there used to be one or two uh, shopping channels, now there's like 500. So we're in this world of technology where there's, you know. In your own home, you're no longer safe. You know, you can't just stay home from the mall. At, at any, any point in time on your computer or your smartphone, you can press a button and buy something. So I think what happens is people get caught up in the shopping because it is greatly encouraged in our culture, because it's totally legal, and because everybody does shop. Just like with the obesity epidemic, which we're seeing more and more of, people are overeating and they're overshopping, and we don't know how to modulate and turn it off. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably where you come in to be extremely, extremely helpful um, in working with these individuals. Um, And I would imagine, I mean, 
at a time like now, we're coming out of a huge holiday right. season. It's a time when a lot of us are facing those holiday gift bills. Right. Talk about how this time of year affects those individuals who struggle with this addiction. So, yeah, um, well, a lot of times people kind of go on one last hurrah, you know, after right before the holidays. So, you know, I'm going to go on that diet right after January 1st, but, you know, I, <laughs> I, I feed my mm-hmm. face uh, you know, silly, and and then like you know, I'm already kind of feeling kind of sick and 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 kind of discouraged, you know, going into the new year. So, we, and we find that New Year's resolutions, a lot of people make them, but probably about 75 to 80 percent of people, according to studies, you know, within the first 30 days of the new year, they they're they're off the resolution. And the same thing happens with shopping. People are encouraged to shop, shop, shop till you drop for the holidays, and and really, they often really ruin the holidays because instead of like being with family and appreciating maybe some of the simpler, more um, heartfelt spiritual aspects of the holidays we get all caught in the shopping frenzy that that's its own issue but then the then the bill comes due typically a month or so later you get the bill in the mail and and people often know it's coming but you know and 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 it just is not a great way to start off the new year and people are often you know spending money that they don't even have so they're starting off the year with a lot of financial and emotional distress and trying to play catch up and it's not a great way to start off the year and then unfortunately for a segment of the population who are shopaholics it's counterintuitive, but this is what addiction is. So if I'm stressed out because of my bills and can't pay my bills, what do I do? Well, I go shop to take my right. mind off the bills. And so, and then there's a lot of arguments that happen after the holidays. Now, sometimes in the family, uh, both you know, husband and wife co-conspire and, and often overshop, but often it's one person more than, not, than the other. And, and often it is the woman, but not always. I work with male shopaholics too, but there's often argument and conflict among the couple. It's the number one reason for conflict in, in, in partnerships and, and actually break up and divorce. So, so this is a stressful thing too when the bills come due and, and there's arguments about it. And then what are the children? The children are often hearing the arguments they're caught in the middle and they get mis- mixed messages too growing up about the value of stuff so if we overindulge you know the kids then kind of will start to expect it and it's modeled for them that stuff is so important or stuff is the way we show mm-hmm. love and i'm not saying stuff is bad but i don't think we know about balance Right, right. And there are different kinds of shoppers motivated by different yeah. things, right? So uh, can you talk a little bit about the different types of shoppers you've seen? Yeah, and it's very fascinating. Um, <clears throat> I work with a lot of women, as you might expect, and, and the statistics you know, do show that women perhaps uh, shop or overshop a little more than men, but not by much. But most of my clients are women because I think most women are, are, are more ready to accept help and therapy. Um, but, the, you know, a classic kind of case that I see with a lot of my female shopaholic clients is, is what we call image shopping, so clothing, so buying a lot of clothing, typically for themselves, jewelry, clothing, um, uh, accessories, purses, shoes, things like that. Nothing wrong with that, but they're, they're going overboard, and often what's driving it often is is a core insecurity about oneself and granted i'm not a woman and i can only imagine um, how difficult it is to live in this world though we've come a long way in terms of equality it, it's you know no i don't think anybody can deny that women still have a lot of societal pressures to look their best and also a lot of the women i work with are are in their midlife and they're they're very attuned and sensitive to the aging process and they're feeling like they need to overcompensate at times either with 
you know, more clothing, new clothing, better clothing, jewelry, even plastic surgeries. And I'm not knocking it. I'm saying it's a reality. And so, but then what happens is it becomes a bottomless pit. So image shopping, whether for ourselves or to adorn our house or even to dress our kids so we can all keep up with the Joneses. So that's something that drives a lot of people. So there's image shopping. There's codependent shopping where people often come to me and, and they're not spending so much on themselves, but they're buying things for others. And there's nothing wrong with that if it's done moderately, but some people are, are codependent and they're really buying to, 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 to secure love or approval or to, to keep people from leaving them. And, and, and they get themselves into a corner where they're overspending and they don't know how to shut off the spigot, even if they wanted to. They're afraid if they stopped giving or spending on people that, that they wouldn't be loved anymore or they'd be abandoned or rejected. So I deal with that issue. Bargain shopping, as you know, is a big thing for people. So sometimes it's more about the bargain than the object, and the objects will often be unused or you know hanging on the hanger in the closet so everybody's a little different um, but there's different patterns of uh, of shopping that are interesting to explore because they might lead clues to what's really going on do i need to be liked you know so i'm buying for others am i having trouble with my image are there other ways i can feel good about myself and things like that Right, right. And you alluded to this a little bit earlier about the internet, you know, um, has it really led to a worsening of the problem? Because you mentioned before, you know, shopping in person, but then retail, uh, at retail, but then now it's just a click, right, a click away. Can you talk a little bit about the impact of online shopping? And if you see it worse with retail shopping or online shopping, or does it really matter? Well, um, shopping is shopping. It can be a problem. You know, some of my clients are exclusively, you know, shopping at stores, even though they have access to the Internet. It's not their thing. But increasingly what I'm seeing and what I'm reading about is, yes, the Internet makes it very easy for any kind of addiction to basically take off and explode. So, for instance, pornography is a big one, um, whether it's with men viewing pornography or even women or even the hookups or whatever, or, you know, going online or whatever, Ashley Madison, I mean, the, it, it, access is, is, is part of the, the problem. So, like, you know, that's why we often tell people uh, in recovery from, from drugs or alcoholism, avoid wet faces and wet places. In other words, avoid bars or places where there's drinking and avoid people. And to some degree, people can do that. But you can't avoid the inter- Internet, really. And so that's where the problem comes in. Um, and, and it is escalating the, the degree of shopping that everybody is doing, whether you're a shopaholic or not. I think last year, uh, last holiday season was the first holiday season where online shopping sales outnumbered mm-hmm. in terms of dollars the amount that people had spent at, at, at storefronts or stores. So we are moving into that age and we can't avoid it. And I think because people are, are wanting things instantly and they're not taking the time to think things through, it's just too darn easy to click a button. And I think that's where a lot of people get in trouble. It's kind of like crack cocaine. Yeah, absolutely. And it feeds on itself, as you mentioned. Very hard to cut it off. Uh, Terrence, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the role of marketers in driving shopping addictions and get your take on that. More from Terrence Shulman when we return in just a moment. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. 
Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash Webmaster Radio now. Shipping Nirvana. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. I've been talking today with Terrence Schulman. He's the founder and director of the Schulman Center for Compulsive Theft, Spending, Hoarding, right there in Metro Detroit. He's been doing that since 2004. He's also an attorney and an author of four recovery books, including Cluttered Lives, Empty Souls, Compulsive Stealing, Spending, and Hoarding. And we've been talking about this addiction and how it can manifest itself. And earlier when we were speaking, you talked about how it can break up marriages. Talk a little bit about what you term as financial infidelity fidelity and what appears to be a growing issue right well certainly uh regular infidelity as we kind of define it which is uh you know breaking an agreement uh, or at least an assumed agreement within a marriage uh, of, of either being um you know emotionally promiscuous or sexually promiscuous outside of the marriage can be very devastating to couples but um i didn't coin the term but it's been in lexicon for i think about a decade it's called financial infidelity and more and more what we're finding is there's a sense of deep hurt and betrayal when typically one partner finds out that the other partner has been secretly using either their own money or the the mutual money for 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 shopping or spending and 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 what typically happens is they're found out eventually and they find out that there's a ton of credit card debt or just the fact that they've been lying about you know where they've been going or 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 a partner finds a stash of stuff in the attic or or finds out there's a storage unit down the road that's being rented and it, and it's a it's a form of deceit and what we know is that um in almost all addictions um secrecy and deceit becomes kind of a byproduct so people will sneak drinks they'll sneak drugs they'll they'll uh, sneak pornography or, or or sexually addictive affairs they'll sneak gambling to the casino they'll sneak food they'll they'll hide their bulimia or the anorexia so it's part and parcel but in this particular case uh it's devastating because often you know it it greatly impacts the partner when when uh the other partner either accumulates debt on his or her own or has really been secretly using the family funds including maybe even the college kids college education fund is drained not to go gamble which people do but to to go to the mall so it, mm-hmm. it really can feel like a utter betrayal and that's why we we call it financial infidelity and i work with these couples and it's very 
slow, tough going to get them uh, to, 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 to trust each other again and to rebuild the relationship and to find out why this person became addicted to shopping in the first place. Like an affair, there are not necessarily great excuses, but the couples who do do the best are the ones who actually can both look at the marriage and, and, and look at how they both may have contributed to, to why the problem occurs, whether it's an actual affair or a financial, financial infidelity. In the classic case, and it's not meant as an excuse, is a woman who may be working or not working and who has a husband who maybe is a good provider, but emotionally and romantically there's not much there, um, and she's stressed out and everything and feeling unfulfilled and very gradually begins to, you know, instead of turning to bonbons, which can happen with food, she begins turning to shopping, and it's very insidious a little bit of time, and before you know, it's a bottomless pit. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, and so a partner can aid and abet, perhaps unknowingly, but maybe marketers can too. And as a marketer, you know, I have to admit, I had not really thought about the role we play in driving, potentially driving shopping addictions. After all, it is our job to drive awareness, interest, and to promote purchase. So I would be interested in your expert opinion of whether you hold marketers' feet to the fire in this at all. Well, that's a great question, and to be honest, I haven't thought a whole lot about that, but, you know, um, you've prompted me in advance to think a little bit about that, and so I've done a little thinking. Um, here's kind of how I look at it. <clears throat> so, um, you know, we're just coming to Super Bowl uh, in early February with, you know, all these, you know, talk about the commercials and people glued to the TV. So, I mean, advertising is a real art, and it is designed to sell products. So that's the culture we live in. I have no problem with that. And I'm not positive it's exactly analogous, but like, um, you know, with casinos, uh, casinos are there to make profit too, and they have great advertising and lure people in. And yet most casinos will at times have signs. If you have a problem with gambling here, call this 800 number. They'll have signs posted. Um, casinos do kick in, generally speaking, to a statewide fund that can treat the problem gamblers. So if problem gamblers don't have money or insurance to cover their own counseling, they can dip into a fund and typically get at least 10 sessions of gambling addiction. And the casinos put into that fund. Um, you know, so they're, And in some cases, if you're a, an addictive gambler and you want to, um, they have been known sometimes to uh, kick people out and, and not let them back in because they can check your ID with a scanner. And, and people themselves can actually, in some states, ban themselves. They can go to a casino and, and, and fill out a form and say, please don't let me back in. And then if they do have a change of heart and try to get back in, they scan their ID and they won't be able to be admitted. So that's one issue which I think, you know, whatever you think about casinos, they, they at least are taking some role whether they've been forced to do so or not. <laughs> bars, there are laws, you know, you know, where they don't always abide by where bars are, can help be held legally liable for people that they serve too much alcohol to, and if they get in a car wreck or whatever and injure or kill somebody, they could be sued. So there's these dram shop laws are called where you know people are trained and the the bar has responsibility or even a restaurant to not overserve. Even if you're doing a private party, you have a responsibility in terms of your guests. Um, with restaurants, even now, you know, the Heart Smart menu, the locale menu, mm-hmm. the non-saturated fats, um, the organic food, things are labeled now. Even fast food restaurants, they've gone away from supersizing, generally speaking, and trying to offer, uh, you know, more moderate sizes and healthy alternatives. So even though they could make a ton of money, there's some sense, whether through public pressure, political pressure, or, or their own conscience, where they're, they're trying to take some responsibility. So, you know, 
what I'd like to see, perhaps, um, you know, is is marketers be a little bit careful, particularly in the marketing to children. Um, you know, there are going to be advertisements for toys and stuff like that, but um, just like uh, they have to be a little careful. Like, uh, in, in you know, in sex cells, I think you know, you know, I understand they're going to use that, but I, I think there's there's ways to be a little bit more careful. It's hard to to quantify it but like i'm a marketer too you know so as a therapist i have a website and i'm hoping to draw people in but i also have at least some ethics i'm not going to put you know on my website you know one session and you're cured you know like because you have a lot of these marketing that you know they market to people and and they're they're false promises and really behind a lot of marketing if we're if we're really honest about it there's two main messages that marketers try to use one is fear meaning like if you don't buy this product you know, um, you won't keep up with the people who do. So, and, and by the way, this is only going to be available for a short period of time, which might not be true. Like all those sales that go on during the holidays, people think they're really special, but there's very few of them that are unique. You could probably get most of that stuff at the same price or lower at any given time. But the fear of loss. Um, then the other one is um, shame. There's something wrong with you if you don't buy this. You won't be, you're not good enough if you have this. And, and so that's kind of how marketing, a lot of marketing, will play on people. Um, it doesn't have to be that way, and I don't because I, I believe in free speech, but I think if, if, there's, if more corporations have a, a bit of a sense of responsibility to the environment, to their consumers, um, I think there's a way for everybody to make a profit without having to kind of be um, deceptive, um, overly alluring, and, uh, um, and greedy, frankly. Mm-hmm. No, all very good. And I think that maybe a lot of marketers haven't really considered the role that they play in fueling this, what's really quite a widespread problem. And I really loved your examples because I think it really shows that the marketplace has identified the problem. Um, they recognized the problem, maybe not identified it, but it recognized the problem and then it adapted their behaviors, right, to um, help the consumer be more responsible in their actions. So I love those examples. I thought those were right on. Terrence, I want to make everybody aware of where they can go get more information. Again, it's the Shulman Center, S-H-U-L-M-A-N Center.com. You can learn more about Terrence and his practice there. And if you're someone dealing with addiction, you certainly can get help there or, or learn more about um, the issue of addiction in general. Terrence, thank you so much for being on the show today. Maria, thank you for having me. Um, I know we just had a little time to scratch the surface, but I think your questions were great, and I hope some of your listeners got um, a little bit of uh, enlightenment and, and, and hope for some help. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely, and I hope the same thing. And thanks to my producer, George, and join me right here for another edition of Purse Strings next Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program 
are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.